Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Edwin Dorsey. Let's go back to your focus because you talk about corporate misconduct. That actually has a very specific term that's used to describe the kinds of companies that you're focusing on. Or maybe it's the kind of financial area that you focus on, and that is short selling. I listened to you describe it on that other podcast, whose audience are probably investors or involved in finance in some way, shape or form. As someone who is not (laughs) involved in finance, other than dealing with somebody who manages my money, I got to admit, Edwin, I was still a little confused. So for those of us who are either (laughs) semi-literate or illiterate, Can you break it down for us? What is short selling and how did you decide to focus on that niche? Absolutely. So short selling at the simplest level is just a bet against a company. Now, mechanically, the way it works is you go find a company you think is going to fall in price. Let's say I want to bet against Apple. I approach an Apple shareholder and say, hey, will you loan me your 10 shares? I'll give them back to you at a future date and I'll pay you know, a small amount for the inconvenience. So I borrow your Apple shares. I sell them today for $100. And if the stock falls to 80 tomorrow, I buy them back and I give it to you and I pocket the difference. So I sold your shares for 100 and I bought it back at 80. So I pocket that $20 difference, less a small fee for the inconvenience. And the shareholder is just viewing this as a little bit of extra income by loaning out their stock because they would have owned it either way. Now, the danger with short selling is stocks can also go up a lot. They can fall and you'll make money if you're short a stock, essentially owning negative shares. But if it goes up, you're going to be forced to buy it back at a higher price. So there's huge risk because you can lose an unlimited amount of money. It's important to note, I actually 
never short or take positions against the companies I write about. Some readers or subscribers to my newsletter might, but I'm not actively trading stocks as much as most people think. And in my newsletter, there's a lot of other people like law firms, regulators, just investors who just find it interesting, who read it. Now, to go to the second part of your question, what got me into this? How did you go into this like weird little niche of short selling? I've always been passionate about stocks from a really young age. Like second grade, I was all about the stock market. I started writing a little online anonymously through a website called Seeking Alpha in high school. And that was getting a little traction. And then freshman year of college, I got really lucky where I got introduced to two of the biggest short sellers out there. One guy was named Mark Cajotes. He previously ran a billion dollar short only fund and he lived in Northern California. So I went to meet with him and he kind of got me excited and got me on Twitter and showed me like, you know, how being a short seller could be a lot of fun because you're going, you're taking down companies, you're actually having an impact on the world if you expose corporate misconduct. The other person I got introduced to was Jim Carruthers, who ran a short-only fund called Sophos. And I ended up interning for him on and off for all four years of college. So I like to joke, if two of my early mentors were microcap investors, I would have probably gone there. Two of my early mentors were private equity titans. I might have been drawn to that. But because two of my earliest mentors were these kind of short selling people, that, that's where I got drawn to. And it's been a crazy ride and very exciting. So how were you introduced to them? Because I read one article about you from a couple of years ago, and it suggested that maybe you were the one who reached out to them and were, let me put this nicely, you were persistent in Uh getting in front of them. So how did that story unfold? So Andrea, you've done your homework. So for Mark, one thing I found that is always good at like creating luck and creating introductions is putting stuff online, whether it's a podcast, a video, writing, something. So I've been tweeting a little and I've been writing a little online. And I think I tweeted, hey, I'm going to like California for school. Is there anyone I should meet? And somebody's like, you should meet Mark Cajotas. Here's his phone number. So when I get there freshman year, I call him up and I'm like, hey, I'm a freshman. I'm interested in shorts. I've like read about you. Like, will you meet with me? He just is like, hangs up. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he well, literally he hung up no. the phone. He, he didn't say no. What? He literally hung up the phone. He, he, I think he just thought I was a nonsense person. I, I, I don't think he, it wasn't a scheduled call or anything. I just yeah. had his phone number and, you know, I just thought I'd introduce myself. And but he didn't say no. Like I, So I just called him back. And I'm like, hey, I'm, a pr- I'm actually, you might have thought I was some joke or prankster. I'm like, hey, I'm actually a freshman. I'd love to meet with you. And now he's like opening up a little. And I, and I was like, he lived uh, an hour north of where I went to school. I'm like, hey, I'll get an Uber tomorrow to meet with you if you want. And it was a very expensive Uber, but he offered to meet with me. And then we hit it off because I came there prepared. I showed him some other stuff I'd written in the past. I came with a lot of questions and he kind of loved it. And how old of a guy was he at the time? He, he, he was like 50, 55, kind, kind of retired hedge fund dude who, you know, had a high flying hedge fund. Then it closed under, you know, not great circumstance, but just just a very smart, very well off individual who'd been established. And, you know, so sometimes it helps to be a little crazy. And then the I, I got to stop you there just for a second, Edwin, because this man, I have to imagine, was the age of your parents. Yeah. All right. And you could have been the age of one of his kids. Mm -hmm. 
And he's a busy guy. And you said, I'd like to come out tomorrow. And he said, okay. Or how did that go down? I think I said, hey, can I, I saw he was tweeting about a stock that I'd also done research on. I'm like, hey, can I give you a presentation on this stock? So then it's, there's a little bit of, you know, now he knows I've done the research. He's going to be a little interested in hearing what I have to say. And if you, if sometimes when somebody's very kind of important or busy, it helps just to, I found people generally don't like stuff on their calendar three months out. It's a lot easier to say yes to something tomorrow at this time than two weeks out. So if you just say like, yeah, I'll go mute you. I think I skipped a class to go and meet with him. And, you know, I, I offered to do it at his house. So it's easier for him. And it was, this has been like seven years ago. So it was a while ago, but you know, being high energy, nice coming with a lot of questions, coming with something to show someone it goes a long way versus asking them to meet at a coffee shop at a certain time and not being prepared. You know, there's certain things you can do to throw the luck in your favor a little bit. What did he say about your presentation on the stock? Uh, he, he was impressed. Then we started calling other people he knew. And I, I pitched to them over the phone. This was a company called Malincrot. They had a drug called Actar where they raised the price like 30,000% and were like paying people to prescribe it. And the company later went bankrupt. And so, so we were kind of like doing work on this and all their unethical shenanigans. So he, he liked the presentation and he convinced me, he's like, you're going to meet a lot more people if you get on Twitter. So he then and there made me make a Twitter account. And then that's what kind of started this upward spiral of luck where I made a Twitter account. He tweeted to people, go follow this kid. And then that's how I got my first 200 followers or something. And then from there, Twitter became a, like a launching point where I'd start to meet tons of people through Twitter, Twitter DMs, setting up meetings that way. So that was like a big, big turning point early freshman year for me for just getting noticed and getting lucky. Amazing. And now the second guy, was it Carruthers? Is that yeah, right? Jim Carruthers. Uh, how did you connect with him? He's a lot more normal down to earth. So Mark is a little crazy and he'd tell you that. Jim is just a, a normal down to earth guy. And I was writing anonymously on this website called Seeking Alpha about this company and criticizing them. And I said in my bio, I lived in California, Palo Alto, but he, he didn't know like I was a student. He just knew I was somebody in Palo Alto and he lived there. So he reached out to me being like, hey, I like your anonymous blog. Would you want to grab coffee? And he definitely assumed like I was going to be a professor or like an adult or an hedge. And I show up as this like 18 year old kid and he's like, just confused. And, you know, he's like, you should intern for me. So, you know, I think it was just that, that he didn't know he was even meeting with somebody so young right away or actually. Actually, I got a little wrong here. What what happened is we set up a meeting or he said his assistant would schedule a meeting and it just like never materialized. And I going back and forth. And then I just called him and I was like, hey, do you want to actually meet? And then that's how it ended up happening. But yeah, two, two crazy lucky intros and it kind of changed my life. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode.
Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.